Good morning. Welcome to TBA Church, where we're living sent to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus in order to impact the community and the world around us for the gospel. We're so glad you're here today. If this is your first time here, or if you haven't signed up yet, we'd love for you to sign up for our TBA Connect system. The best way to sign up for this is to text NEXT to this number on the screen. It's a great system that can get you signed up for classes or baptism, or even tell us that you're going to RSVP for an event. Now, one of my favorite things about the TBA Connect system is that you can give from anywhere. So whether you just missed it on a Sunday morning or if you're homesick and you can't show up, all you have to do is text GIVE to the TBA Connect number and everything is all set from there. And remember, anytime during worship or after the service, you can go over to the Next Steps area if you need someone to pray with or just someone to talk with. There's someone always there waiting to help you with whatever you need. We've got a few announcements, so let's see what's coming up. All right, listen up. This first one's extremely important. If you picked up an Angel Tree card, today is the last day to turn those in. So if you've forgotten or if you don't have them with you this morning, please go finish those cards and bring them back. This is for a child on Christmas to give to their parents to empower them to have an amazing Christmas morning. Please do not forget this. Go get your stuff and bring it back if you've forgotten this morning. We'll be here after the service waiting for you to bring it back. And of course, we have Christmas Eve coming up. So make sure you're inviting your friends, maybe people that wouldn't normally come to a regular church service. We're gonna have an amazing time. There's gonna be two services, one at 3.30 and one at five. We would love to see you there. And last but not least, Celebrate Recovery would love to see you at their fourth annual New Year's Eve party. From 6.30 to a little bit after midnight, show up anytime. There's gonna be live music and food and a lot of fun. So I'm sure they'd love to see you there. That's all for announcements. Don't forget to pick up a Christmas Eve yard sign on your way out today. And here's Dave Shive with the message. Well, good morning, TBA. How are y'all this morning? Good. It's glad to have you here. How many of you got your Christmas shopping done? <laughs> Not very many. Does it feel like Christmas to you yet? Man, let me, I, it never feels like Christmas to me here in Florida. Like, I, for you guys that grew up here, I know that's all you know, but there's just something wrong with it being Christmas time and it being 80 degrees outside. It's wrong. It's just, it should, how can you watch Home Alone and look at all of the snow scenes? Like, I watch Home Alone and I'm like, oh, Christmas. And then I walk outside, I'm like, oh. I, well, well, any, uh, anyways, I'm not here to complain. I'm here to talk about the love of God. That's what we're here to talk about, not complain about how horrible Florida, no, I, the love of God is what we're going to talk about today. Love of God. God loves Florida too. <laughs> love of God. Brian started our series defining what love is for us, Right? That God is the definition of love because God is love. Love is not what God does, but love is who God is. And God's love is manifested to us in a number of different ways, specifically through Jesus coming to this earth, right, to save us from our own sin. Last week, Stivey talked about the command to love. Because God loved us, we are commanded to love him with all that we are, all our mind, heart, soul. And then we're supposed to love those around us, our neighbors, right? Not just the neighbors that we like, but all people, all of our neighbors. And that love doesn't mean that there's a compromise of God's word. It has to have grace with it. But sometimes truth and grace can get a little messy sometimes when we love, right? So today we're going to talk about the dependence of love. What I mean by this is that you and I 
can have complete confidence in God's love and salvation through life's ups and downs. God loves us no matter what. Regardless of life's circumstances, we can have assurance of God's love. Get this, even in the middle of all of our junk, in our worst mistakes, in our failures, even when we fall and sin, in the middle of that, in the middle of our sin, we can be sure that God has always, still does, and will forever continue to love us, right? And I would think for the most part, you would agree with what I just said, but I know that if I were to ask you to raise your hand today, if you feel distant from God's love, a lot of you would raise your hand. And I know a lot of you would raise your hand because I've talked with a lot of you. And one thing that I hear from people all the time is this struggle to accept and feel God's love. And sometimes it's hard for me to accept and feel God's love. See, I think we can all understand that God is love. That's who he is. That's his nature. That's his character. And I think we also understand that we're supposed to love God with all that we are. But what I think is hard for us is for us to trust that God loves us no matter what. Especially when things aren't going so good or if we've messed up in some way. I mean, we have the knowledge up here that God loves us, but it's difficult to get it down here. So why is it so hard for us to feel God's love? I mean, we don't wanna feel distant from God, but yet we often do. And we do for various reasons. I mean, it could be the untimely death of a loved one, right? Somebody close to us dies and we're left going, God, where are you? Or it could be that you don't have any close relationships right now. You don't have any close friends. And you've been trying to connect with people, but you feel really lonely right now. Or maybe you're stuck in this dead-end job and you keep saying to yourself, God, I keep serving you and I keep doing all these things and I'm stuck in this situation and nothing ever goes my way. I take one step forward and I get two steps back and it just feels like, where are you, God? Where are you in all this? Maybe you have a habit that you just can't seem to overcome. Maybe your marriage is struggling and you're thinking, God, what did I do wrong? Why am I in this situation? Maybe you see other people connecting with God and you wonder why you can't. Listen, man, I get that. I feel that way at times myself. Life is hard. It is. And it throws some really rough punches at us. And in the middle of all that life throws at us, it's easy for us to doubt God's love. It's easy for us to allow our circumstances to dictate our trust and confidence in God's love. And if you feel this way, you're not alone. Because even in the Bible, those of us that we would say have this super really strong relationship with God had the same thoughts and feelings as we do. Take David, for example. David, who's the writer of many psalms and a man after God's own heart, he says this. Oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? So you're not alone in feeling distant from God's love. But we don't need to feel that way. God certainly doesn't want you to feel that way. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to look at some things that consistently keep us from feeling God's love in our lives with the hope that we can correct those things and get back into that deep, intimate relationship that God desires to have with us. So here's the first thing, and it's usually the number one thing. Here's the first thing that keeps us from feeling God's love. We are not seeking God. Revolutionary, right? We're not seeking God. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. If you have worry in your life, it's because you're seeking the things of this world. If you have contentment in your life, it's because you're seeking the things of God's kingdom and his righteousness. See, when we allow the circumstances of life to be our main focus and thoughts and attention, we are going to feel distant from God. When our main pursuits are the things of this world, things like career, money, possessions, entertainment, a host of other things, you name it. When these are our main pursuit, then there is little to no room for God. Instead of longing after the things of the world, we're supposed to hunger and thirst for the things of God. We have to seek his kingdom first, and then all these things will be added to us. Maybe we're not feeling God's love because perhaps we're not seeking God like we should. He's not first in our priorities. He's not first in our thoughts. He's not first in our time. And when people tell me they feel distance from God because I hear it a lot, my first question to them is always, are you spending time with him? Are you seeking him out? And usually when we explore this question, what I find is that time with God has been pushed back in the list of priorities. Oh, we got plenty of reasons and justifications as why we do it, right? I'm just too busy right now. I don't have any time in my schedule. There's just too many other demands in my life, either from family or work, school, or other obligations that we have. So time with God keeps getting pushed farther and further and further down the list. And then we wonder why we feel distant. It would be like this. If you were to come to me and say, Dave, I've met this person, and I think this person is the one. So here's my plan. I'm gonna go marry them but I'm never gonna go on a date with them. I'm just gonna marry them. And then when we get married, I'm not gonna spend any time with them at all. I'm not even gonna talk to them at all. I'm just gonna do my own thing, and you know what? I think this relationship will work out fine. <laughs> I fully expect to have a close, intimate, loving relationship with this person. Sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? Well, of course it does. We all know that's not how relationships work. A relationship takes investment. It takes seeking each other out. It takes commitment. It takes spending intimate time with each other. We all know that that's how it works. But we don't do this for God. We put them on a shelf. And then we think, we think we're supposed to feel his love all the time when we don't spend any time with him. Listen, if you're not seeking God, how do you ever expect to feel close to him? How do you ever expect to feel his love if you're not spending time with him? So we've got to seek him out. We have to seek him out. Here's the second thing that keeps us from feeling God's love. 
and it's our sin. Our sin distances us from God. Isaiah said this to the nation of Israel. He said, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Well, wait a minute, Dave. You said earlier, even in the middle of our failures and mistakes, God still loves us. Even in the middle of our sin, he loves us. You're right. He does. God loves us in the middle of our sin. God even loved us before we accepted him. He loved us while we were still his enemies. In fact, God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son into this world to deal with the sin that separates us from God. For this is the love, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So don't be confused. God's love for Israel was always there when Isaiah said, your sin has cut you off from God. God's love for us has always been there. Remember, even before we loved him, God's love is always dependable, even when we mess up. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you think you've screwed things up. God's love is still consistent. But... That doesn't mean he isn't concerned with the sin in your life. See, we get this wrong a lot. We think that God's abandoned us in the middle of our failures and sin, but he hasn't. It's us that has abandoned him. And the prodigal son is an example of that. It was the son who walked away, not the father. See, God loves you enough that he will let you walk away from him. You hear what I'm saying? God loves you enough that he will let you walk away from him because love, real love, is a choice. It isn't forced. So God will let you walk away from him. And when we do, that relationship is broken, not by God, but by us, by our sin. His love is still there because the father was patiently waiting and looking for the prodigal son to come back. And that's the point. That's the key point. He was waiting for the son to come back. God is not going to come and forcibly remove you from your sin. Just as the father didn't go and forcibly bring his son back home. God knows that's not going to work. He'll let you have your complete fill of sin and the consequences that come with it. And one of those consequences is that God will not listen to us anymore. We are cut off from the blessings and the privileges of being a child of God. The father's not gonna continue to send money to the prodigal son and fund his rebellious lifestyle. But see, that's our expectation. We don't understand why God feels so distant and and doesn't seem to answer our prayers when we have unrepentant sin in our lives. Because what we want is we want God to bless us in the middle of our sin. But God's saying, I can't do anything for you until you deal with this sin. In fact, God is saying, all these things that you're praying about to me aren't important right now. Because the most important thing is this sin that is destroying your life and destroying our relationship, and we have to address it first. Again, don't be confused. God's love for us is still there. As believers, we are still his child. He is still our father, but he is waiting patiently for you to repent 
and come back home. And when you do, he will run to you. He will run to you just as the father did when the prodigal son returned. He ran to him with open, loving arms. Not punishment, not condemnation, but forgiveness and love. Now, I want you to see how subtle sin is and how it separates us sometime without even really knowing how it separates us from God. Because in Malachi, God said to Israel, because they were sinning, he said, return to me. And Israel said, well, how can we return to you? We haven't left. But they did leave because of their sin. They just didn't know it. They didn't see it because they were complacent in seeking the Lord. See, the first point of seeking God out, seeking his kingdom out, is connected to the second point of our sin separates us from God. Because when we don't seek the Lord out, when we're complacent and we're not seeking the Lord out, then sin creeps in. It's really easy for it to creep in. Craig Rochelle wrote a book. It's a really good book. It's called The Christian Atheist. And in his book, he talks about this concept about complacency. And the idea is that a Christian atheist is a person who believes in God, but then lives their life as if God doesn't exist. In other words, I believe in God, I follow Jesus, but it doesn't affect my practical everyday living. Ever seen any Christian atheists? You might say, well, how does this happen? Well, in Proverbs 1, it says, for simpletons turn away from me to death, fools are destroyed by their own complacency. In other words, when we find ourselves becoming complacent, the Bible says you're a fool and it's gonna destroy you. Well, how does that work in our everyday lives, Dave? Well, like I said, it's subtle. It's subtle. Let me give you some scenarios to show you what I mean. Let's say you come to church and we have this moment with God and we leave on a spiritual high and we say, wow, God, I'm with you. We're connected. I'm in your word. I'm feeling like we're together. And then we leave here and different things start to distract us like maybe football. I don't know. And we're like, wow, God, I love you, but you know what? NFL games are on Sunday, and the Bucks, man, the Bucks are doing really good this year. And I really don't want to miss any of those games. So I'll tell you what, God, I'm only going to be gone for the season, just for a little bit, and then we'll get back together after the Super Bowl. Or maybe this, work gives you an opportunity, and we say to God, you know, God, we've been praying to get this promotion, and if I do this, if I take this this job, I know it's going to pull me away, and yeah, I'm going to miss church, and I'm going to be too busy now to have time for a D group, but God, this is what we've been praying for, right? And if I get through this, well, after I get through this, then we can reconnect. So just stay there until I get done with this. Or maybe we say, you know what, God, my son has got to get to soccer practice, my daughter's got to get to ballet and gymnastics because she's going to the Olympics one day. This is her future, Lord. So us taking a break to do this, is, it's important. And I'll get back with you as soon as they get scholarships. So what's the problem with this? Well, the problem is, is that we're seeking things of the world instead of the things of God. And it isn't necessarily that those things are bad. I'm not saying those things are bad. But when we compromise God to chase after them, they become destructive 
Because what happens is when we're complacent in pursuing God, we get distracted by the world. And you might not think those things are a big deal, but they are. What we think is just a short time away becomes longer than we ever intended. And before you know it, we slowly walked away from the presence and protection of God and we didn't even realize it. And then we wonder why our relationship with him feels stale. And we say things like, I'm having trouble getting into God's word. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I've even said that before. I even said it to God one time. You know what God said back to me? He said, no, Dave. Actually, you've got something more important in your life than me. Stop justifying it and call it what it is. And see, when we do this, all of a sudden we have this distance from God and his word. And those things that used to be vile and sick to us really aren't that bad anymore. We kind of we see sin a little different. It isn't as bad as it used to be. And the things that used to be vile, we start to embrace a little bit more every day. And we start to justify sin in our life. And so now we say things like, well, what's wrong with a little flirting at work? I mean, it's completely innocent, right? There's no way anything is going to happen. When the truth is you want her more than your wife and you're spending way too much time with her, that's the truth. Or we say, well, porn doesn't really hurt anybody. Really? It's probably one of the most destructive forces in our society today. Or we say, well, it's my only vice, and it's actually kind of socially acceptable. It's really kind of okay. No, you're looking for peace at the bottom of a bottle or a vape pen or any other drug instead of looking for the Prince of Peace himself. And how did we get there? We got distracted, we got distant, we got complacent, and now we're over here in this place and we feel lonely and disconnected by the distance that we created with the sin in our lives. Sin, sin will create a huge gulf between you and God. And until we repent and take care of it, we are gonna continue to feel that distance. Okay, so here's the last point that I wanna share with you. We're gonna feel distant from God because we don't love and forgive like God loves and forgives. We don't love and forgive like God loves and forgives. First John says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If we're gonna live like Jesus lived, then we're gonna have to love like Jesus loved. Brian talked about this last week in the story of the Good Samaritan. The problem is, is that we don't do this naturally, right? Because loving like Jesus means dying to ourselves. It means putting somebody in front of yourself, sacrificing for them. Listen, if loving others was easy, we would all do it. If loving others was easy, we wouldn't struggle in our marriages. But it isn't easy. And we struggle to love even those that are closest to us, let alone our neighbors. And listen, I could spend a whole sermon series on loving each other, not just our neighbors, but 
each other, even in this body of believers, because unity and love, man, they are so important to God. Jesus said the world would know that we are his disciples by what? Our love for each other, right? And if we're not loving each other, I would imagine it would be hard for us to experience the love of God in our lives. In fact, the Bible says if we don't love our brothers and sisters, then the love of God is not in us. But what I really want to focus on is this point, with this point is forgiveness. Because loving others means you forgive. You have to forgive. We're all guilty of offending other people, and we've all been offended by other people. That's the facts of living in a sinful world. It's going to happen. We're all going to get hurt and wound each other. And honestly, most of the time, it isn't even intentional. See, I don't wake up in the morning with the intention of hurting my wife. But inevitably, I do because of the selfish sin that's in me. And if we can't learn to be forgiving, then bitterness begins to build in our hearts. And if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, you are going to struggle to feel the love of God in your life. Unforgiveness creates the same distance between you and God as sin does. Because unforgiveness is sin. It is sin. As followers of Jesus, we're commanded to be forgiving people. It's impossible to live a victorious life with unforgiveness in our life. See, it isn't the offense that destroys relationships. It's the inability to forgive that destroys relationships. Unforgiveness, it's a poison to the soul. Unforgiveness is a sin that locks the unforgiving person in their own self-made prison. It's as bad as being enslaved to mind-altering drugs or alcoholism. Unforgiveness is a sin that will destroy its own container. Unforgiveness is a sin that will destroy you like an incurable cancer. Jesus said, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Listen, this isn't about eternal salvation. That's secure when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is about being blessed or disciplined by God. God will not hear your prayers if you have unforgiveness in your life. See, you're the one that suffers when you won't forgive. People mistakenly believe that their bitterness and refusal to forgive will make the other person suffer, but it's the unforgiving person that suffers. Marriages are suffering because husbands won't forgive their wives and wives won't forgive their husbands. Families are suffering because children won't forgive their parents and parents won't forgive their children. Churches suffer because unforgiveness among believers is common. Christians who will not talk to each other, can't even look at each other, and wouldn't dare sit on the same side of the auditorium. I mean, it's easy to see why there are so many prayerless and powerless churches in the world today. Paul said this. Whoops. Paul said this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Listen, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, 
you need to understand that forgiving will never make a wrong right. That hurt, the pain, the memory, it's still there. But even if that person doesn't apologize, we have to release them so that we don't bring ourselves into the bondage of unforgiveness. Listen, forgiveness doesn't necessarily bring healing to the one we forgive, but I'm telling you, it definitely brings healing to the one who is forgiving. Somebody once said forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin. And it is, because forgiveness is costly. We pay the price of the evil when we forgive. Yet you're gonna live with those consequences either way. The choice is whether you live in the bitterness of unforgiveness or the freedom of forgiveness. See, that's how Jesus forgave you. He took the consequences of your sin and he put it upon himself because all forgiveness is substitutional because no one really forgives without bearing the penalty of another person's sin. Forgiveness is extending mercy to those who have harmed us. What is causing distance between you and God today? What is keeping you from feeling his love? Are you seeking him out? Are you spending quality time with your loving father? Or has something else taken his place as the priority of your life? Do you have unrepentant sin in your life that you need to confess today? Are you loving others well? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? If you're feeling distant from God, it isn't because God's walked away, it's because you have. Do you remember when you were a little kid and you used to go shopping at Christmas time with your mom and dad? The store would be super, super crowded, right? And they would hold tight to your hand as you walked through the crowds, walked along through the crowds. Did you ever let go of their hand? <laughs> because you saw a toy or you saw something that caught your eye and distracted you and you let go of their hand and you ran over to that shiny thing. And then when you turned around and looked and you couldn't see them, what happened? You panicked, right? You started to panic and you started to worry and it felt like the whole world was pressing in on you. Have you let go of God's hand? For whatever reason, because you got distracted by the world, because you went to do your own thing, because somebody hurt you, and now you feel like the world is pressing in on you. Man, if you're at that place right now, I want you to know this, God sees you. God sees your hurt. He sees your pain. He sees your sin. He sees the distance that you've let grow between him and you, and yet he still loves you, unconditionally loves you. See, even when we feel distant from God, God is not distant from us. God is never distant from us. We're the ones that create the distance. God is begging open arms, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me, my child, come back to me. First John, it says this. We know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live 
in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Listen to me, God's love is dependable. It is trustworthy, it is unchanging. There is nothing we can do. There is no distance so far that changes God's love for us. There is always a path back to the Father. He's always waiting and looking for you to return. There's no fear and punishment. There's only loving forgiveness waiting for you to return to him. The Father is waiting for you to grab a hold of his hand again. So as the band comes up, what is it that you need to do today to be walking step in step with your Father? To experience his full love and presence. And maybe you need to spend some time in prayer with him this morning because you haven't talked with him enough lately Today is a good day to reconnect with your father. Let him know that you haven't been putting him first. And tell him that you're going to commit to that today. Man, he misses spending time with you. You realize that? God misses spending time with you. He misses his son. He misses his daughter. His thoughts of you are incalculable every day. The creator of the universe cares that you want to spend time with him. Maybe you have unrepentant sin that needs to be confessed. God is looking and waiting for you to return to him today. His arms are open wide. Forgiveness and restoration are waiting. Listen, man, when you come back to God, it's a great feeling. When you repent of that sin, it brings healing. It's an amazing feeling because God puts sandals on your feet. He puts a robe around you. He puts a, a ring on your finger and he throws a party because his son or daughter has returned. Maybe you need to return to him today. Maybe you need to forgive somebody today. Maybe they're in this room and you need to go to them and offer your forgiveness. Or maybe you need to seek somebody's forgiveness today because you've wounded and hurt them. Listen, you, need, you guys, you just respond however God leads you today. You can come and kneel at the stage. You can stay in your chair and pray. You can come back to next steps and have somebody pray with you back there. Tim and Joni and Joe and Crystal are back there. I'll be back there. Maybe you need to go grab that person that you have something against and, and embrace them and go, you're my sister, you're my brother, I love you, I'm so sorry. Whatever it is, let's not let these things keep us from feeling the love of God. Let's not keep distance between us and God anymore. We have the power to remove those things. God's given us the tools to do that so that we can experience his full love and his full blessing. What are you waiting for? 
You respond in however God leads you as the band plays. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for your amazing, amazing love. God, that your love never fails. Your love is always consistent. God, your love is unending. Father, forgive us when we put things between you and us. When we allow the world to distract us, God, when we allow sin in our lives, God, forgive us of those things. Forgive us of unforgiveness, Lord. Help us to let go by the power of your Holy Spirit to repent of the things that cause distance between us and bring us back into that warm, intimate, deep relationship with you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us clearly there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And a lot of times at Christmas, we, we get lost in the commercialism. Uh, I'm amazed. We've, we've been talking about it a lot this week in band with the commercialism and, and just all of that. And in the next two songs, we want to give you and us a time to worship the amazing Lord who gave the ultimate price. While we celebrate his birth, we all need to remember he came to earth with a purpose and that was to die. And so in these two songs, we're gonna start by singing a song called Emmanuel, which is God with us. He gave up everything he had to come and be with us. Born in the humblest of places, um, you know, a, a, a dirty stable, but he came with a and he loved us so much. He is love, and he loved us so much that he came to die.